Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting podcast. Visit our website at oalaig.org where you will find several speaker feeds with over 800 speaker files, forms, or ordering CDs for these speakers and a place to donate to keep this special service active. The opinions expressed on the Light a Candle podcast are those of individual OA members and do not represent OA as a whole. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Mimi. Hi, thank you. Um, can you guys nod if you can hear me okay? Okay, good. Hi, I'm Mimi, um, compulsive overeater and bulimic, and um, excited to be sharing on the light of candle. Um, this is one of my home meetings, and because of uh, what's going on in the world, I get all you people, and it's wonderful. Um, so I will just talk about the standard, what it was like, what happened, what it's like now. And um, uh, it's 2020, I have to remember how long I've been in program. I've been in program since 2010. So compulsive overeater bulimic, that's how I identify. Um, I feel like when I hear your stories, no matter who you are in OA, I relate um, because I have the same compulsions and the same um, the same thoughts about food as many other um, categories of um, compulsive overeater people with issues with food. So, um, you know, as a kid, I had a really weird childhood. I um, I can't say like, oh, I was born, I was a compulsive overeater or anything like that. Just food was weird in my house. Food was bad in my house. It just wasn't tasty. It wasn't delicious. Um, I wanted like good food that other people had. I wanted like Wonder Bread and peanut butter and stuff like that. Like that's the kind of thing I can think of with food, but like that wasn't a major issue in my life. So food was just, there were weird rules around food, but like that didn't ruin my life. So, um, I'll just you know say that we had kind of a healthy eating household and you had to eat all your food but that didn't make me a bulimic I'm pretty sure um, but we did have some other weird things that I haven't noticed um, really didn't realize until like late adulthood like recently that there were some things in my childhood that might have led to my compulsive overeating and bulimia so I um, started out when I was about 17, and it started out with um, binging with a girlfriend from high school, and I wanted to figure out a way to continue eating. Like we would go to, um, I still remember, I'm vegan now, but um, I would go to, we would go to McDonald's, and we would get these Big Macs and fries, and like, I was full and I like, I wanted to eat more. It felt good. It felt really good. And I was like, how can I eat more? And so I decided to um, try to vomit because I'd heard about it. And I was like, I'll just go in the bathroom and stick my finger down my throat. Cause I heard about that and I tried it and it's like, it's not easy people. Um, and it wasn't easy for me. It didn't work. And so what I did was I, it's so funny when I think back on this because I was just so brilliant. Um, there's this uh, toxin called syrup of Ipecac. Those who are older may remember this. We'd keep this in homes. 
And um, it was in case your child ingested medications accidentally, you could give it to them. So I really never followed up. I didn't know what this did for you. But I was like, well, I guess I can't throw it with my finger. And again, this is like a Big Mac and fries because I wanted to eat more. So I went to the cupboard and I took this syrup, which tastes like um, syrup. And um, it said, drink this and then drink all this water. So I did that. And then uh, I violently threw up for a long time to the point that I did call the poison center. And I was like, I just made up some lie and remember what it was. And I asked when it would stop. And they said, when everything is out of your system. So I thought, okay. Um, and I was really sick, so I didn't eat anymore. I was like, I will never do that again. That was like the worst thing in the world. Um, and so I, I, I did it again. Um, and I don't remember when or how soon after, but I did do it again. And then I thought about wow, you know, um, that stuff is probably really dangerous. And later I found out that, you know, it's a toxin and that's why it makes you throw up, but it's also toxic to other parts of your body, um, especially your heart. And so I've mentioned this to people before. I'm not sure if people remember Karen Carpenter, you know, she had tried this medication and had heart problems and died. Um, but here I was, um, just a high school student, just like, oh, this will make me throw up and oh, it wasn't so bad and I think I'll try it again. So they started making it so that over the counter you can't get it because teenagers were apparently doing this. I wasn't that brilliant. And so they made it over the counter. You had to get it from a pharmacist, so I stopped. Um, I think I didn't really do that much until I went to college. I went to college, I was on a sports team, I had a roommate, food was like endless, there was a frozen yogurt machine, there was like these little tiny pieces of cake, which you'll find out later, I like cake. And there were these little tiny squares of cake and I could get like one cake, two cake, I could eat the frosting off the cake and just like have, what it was, it was like, it was, it was a special time and I started gaining some weight, but I also found that I really enjoyed the eating. I really, really like to eat. I like the feeling of being full. I like the part where I'm chewing. And I, I wanted to do it over and over, but I would get so full and so uncomfortable. So I decided to revisit the vomiting. Um, I tried it and I wasn't good at it. It took a long time for me to get semi-decent at it. Um, once I started getting good at it, I did it quite a bit. And um, I didn't care where I was. I didn't care what was going on. If I felt like binging and purging, I'm going to do it. I would, um, I would, if, if I wanted just a little bit of extra something, um, and I still remember this, and when it happens now, I, I have to remind myself, but because I, I spent a good portion of my life behaving like this, um, that learning how to eat normally is not the majority of my life. So I would have something a little bit extra and then be like, okay, I ruined it. So I would go ahead and go on a binge and then vomit. I still wasn't super good, but I was decent enough that I could vomit. So I would, but I would have to use like different tools, uh, a toothbrush, silverware, 
Um, I had cuts all over my hands. I'd have to use band-aids. I got to be an expert in what kind of band-aids would work so that my teeth wouldn't cut into the scabs and the sores that were already there. I would have toilet water splashing up at me. Um, I would throw up until I got to this yellow bile that was sour and I'd be like, I'm at the end, yes. And like, just when I think back, it's really sad. Like that's when I was happy was when I saw the last part. And there would be binges I'd have where I didn't get to that part where I didn't like empty my stomach all the way and see that yellow sour stuff that made me gag. And when I didn't get that, I was like, I just didn't do a good enough job. So I would do this like five or six times a day. Like I said, I'd do it anywhere. Um, it could be in the shower, in the dorm. I don't care if I clog the drain. It could be at someone else's house. I can't tell you how many toilets I've clogged. I'm pretty good at unclogging a toilet. Um, I learned that you need, I need to flush the toilet a bunch of times to, um, anyway, for those that aren't bulimic, you're probably like, this is gross. Um, <laughs> anyways, but this is my life. I had a boyfriend who didn't know, but he would sometimes be like, your chin smells like vomit. You know, sometimes there'd be like vomit or something on my chin. I'd have no idea. Like it would just like splash up or something. Um, I became a master at cleaning the bathroom. I was always cleaning the bathroom. Um, oh man, there was nothing that would stop me from binging and purging. And I was freaking miserable. I was so miserable. Um, I really couldn't maintain relationships. Like I had boyfriends, I had girlfriends, I had friend friends, but honestly, I just use people. I really, my mind was elsewhere. I was always trying to figure out how I could get food, how I could get rid of food, who could help me get food, who could, how can I hide this from people? Um, so that's kind of the, the types of things I was doing. I wasn't participating in life other than that. I don't know how I got through school how I got through professional school and how I worked like doing this because again, I would do this five or six times a day. And in between I would pass out, you know, I wasn't really awake and I was not present in life. So I've told people this before, my dad died in 2010. And if I hadn't stopped binging and purging, I would have binged and purged on the day of his funeral and not gone. And I, I can say that with some confidence because I was, I'm not going to say the word, but it starts with an A. And I was not, I was very selfish. But if you ask me, I was a victim. I was suicidal. I was severely depressed. I hated living. I didn't want to get up every day, especially if I binged the day before. So I never woke up and thought, you had a really good binge purge yesterday and you get to do that again. Like every day I woke up and I thought, please God, don't let me binge and purge. And then at night when I had a day of binging and purging, I would say, please God, don't let me binge and purge. And I got to the point where I would just say, I don't want to live, just take my life. And, you know, I couldn't really function. I would go to there would be arrangements to go to friends' birthday parties. I couldn't go um, because 
it was either a good day or a bad day. And for some reason, having a plan later in the day was too much, like every hour, because I didn't have a program. Every hour I'd be like, oh my God, it's almost five o'clock when we're going to go out for this. And what, what am I going to eat? And what did I already eat? And what if I eat too much? And if I did happen to make it, I inevitably binged. And I don't know if I would binge from the anxiety of being around people or just because that's what I'm used to doing. But um, so I was just not functional and people would be upset, you know, cause I wouldn't show up, but I thought they were just not nice people. I, um, I thought people were very selfish. I thought they didn't understand. No one knew what I was going through. No one knew that I was suicidal. No one knew that I was severely depressed. Like I was a complete victim and I had no idea you guys until I got into this program. And when I first got in this program, I used to cry all the time at meetings and thought, oh my God, like my life is so much worse and I'll never be able to stop. And I'm one of those unfortunates that the big book talks about. Um, and, you know, I just really thought my life was worse than everybody else's. Like I just had this thing. Um, I can remember things like my nephew had to go to the hospital for something. I, I love my nephew. So I grew up with my little baby nephew um, after my sister had him. I remember one time he had to go to the hospital, he was sick and she's like, are you coming? I'm like, yeah, I'll be right back. I'm going to the bathroom. And she knew what I was doing. I think she was the only one who knew what I was doing. And she just left. She knew I was gonna be in the bathroom for a long time. And I'm sure, you know, she heard the toilet flush a bunch of times and just said, you know what, forget it. Um, and, you know, I, I'm sure, gonna share a lot about what it was like because for those that are struggling, I want to let you know where I was before I found program. And also just, it's good for me to remember because I don't really remember um, what it was like until I start sharing about it or I hear somebody else. Um, there were times where I think um, my sister would bring me food knowing that I was going to binge and purge, but I think she did that because, well, I know she did that because that was like the only thing that made me happy. It was almost like, you know, if you give an alcoholic a drink when you can't tolerate them without a drink, that's what I feel like in hindsight. But yeah, she would have the foods that I liked in enormous quantities. And I'd just be like, I would pretend like I wasn't going to binge and purge. It was something we didn't talk about. At multiple points, I tried to get help. I, um, I, would, I would try for treatment programs. Um, I don't know what insurance is like now, but insurance back then. Um, so that would have been like 25 years ago you had to be, you know, an underweight anorexic to qualify for the type of treatment that I wanted. And there were away programs I would just dream about going to, like, I really wanted this gone. Um, but I, I didn't know how to do it. I tried, um, Jenny Craig, cause that helps with eating disorders. I tried Weight Watchers. I tried all these different things thinking if someone tells me to eat a piece of bread and a piece of cheese and an apple, and a few hours later, I can eat something else. Then I think I can do it. None of them worked. Um, 
but I, I bought all these like meal plans and I bought the Jenny Craig food and all this shit that just, you know, was a waste of time and money, but I was desperate. I read all the magazines in the grocery store thinking that, you know, whatever, you know, um, one of the movie stars tried that might help. And the thing is like, I didn't need a diet. I needed to stop binging and purging. Um, there were, um, like I said, multiple instances where I just didn't show up to the stuff. And, um, you know, you see pictures of me from binging and purging. You have a, a gland in your cheeks. It's called the parotid gland and it makes your saliva. So binge, or, binge and purge people frequently will have puffy cheeks. And you, I look at pictures of myself and I had these puffy cheeks and these red eyes from you know, leaning my head over the toilet. Um, and because it looks like you're crying afterwards. And then I have this whole routine of washing my face. But I look at these pictures and I'm like, my God. Um, and again, like I just, I didn't do anything else. I would go into the grocery store, get food, make a horseshoe around me and eat around the horseshoe until I got so full, I would purge. And then I would do it again. And then I would do it again. And then I would do it again until it was time to go to sleep. And then I would eat something before I went to sleep so that I could make it through the night. And then I'd wake up at night and think, did I do it? Did I do it? And the times where I could be like, no, I just had the best night's sleep. And the times that it, the answer was yes, I'd be calculating calories and how much did I have? Did I get rid of it all? What am I going to do the next day? Where am I going to eat? How's it going to look? What do I have plans for? Should I just stay home? Like my life was completely obsessed with food. I would eat in the grocery store. I would, the worst was when I eat in my car because I would start eating in the grocery store. And then I didn't want to eat too much because I really enjoyed eating alone. It was like being on a date. It was just really wonderful. So I would eat in the grocery store, but not try to eat too much. But since I knew I was in a binge, I just couldn't wait. And so in the car, I was like a drunk person. Like I have no idea what I was doing. I could be sticking my fingers in ice cream and eating it with my fingers. Um, I could pour chips into my mouth. Um, I just, I was crazy. I would do anything to eat. And like, I, I really would feel like I was, you know, on a high or something because I was in this zone of my food. Um, and, you know, um, I can think of multiple things that I did, but I just, I had no awareness. I was in survival mode. And I'll tell you in hindsight, when I look at this, um, this disease saved my life. This program saved my life but this disease saved my life. Like, why would I pick binging and purging? Like, does this just happen to everybody who tries to purge once? Do they continue to binge and purge? And it's, um, you know, I'm in some other programs to deal with, you know, some things that happened when I was younger and the way that I grew up, but this was how I survived because nothing else was going on in my life, but the food. And when nothing else is going on in my life, but the food, I'm not worried about all the other shit that's going on or what happened to me or all the drama or my family life. 
And so I had no idea of this before. I wasn't like, oh, well, I'm doing this to protect me from what mom did to me. It wasn't like that. It's just now that I'm older, I'm like, oh, wow. So this bulimia saved my life. And now I get to be in this program. Um, so um, people that know me know the cake story, but um, what happened, I'm just trying to think of if there was anything else, but I'll just say, you know, my life was completely chaotic and um, I really just focused on my studies and binging and purging and finding ways to not binge and purge. And just, oh, one more thing about the treatment. So I was able to get into like a day treatment, but I was normal weight, so I couldn't get into um, uh, one of the intensive treatments. So like I'd get dropped off, it was like daycare. So I'd get dropped off. And then I just remember like there'd be toast and there'd be butter and they're like, make sure you use the whole pad of butter. I put the whole pad of butter and then, you know, you had to have like certain things you ate. It was really, it was not helpful. Like I did arts and crafts and I made, I have this bracelet, this leather bracelet that has my name on it. And we talked about feelings and we had family meetings, totally not helpful. Didn't help me. Um, but I do have that bracelet. It's kind of nice. Um, so, um, I, I really did try, and this was before I really remember the internet, but um, I would go to the bookstore and look at, you know, self-help books. I would ask around, but if anyone had any inkling of a diet or an eating disorder, I just was like, oh, what's wrong with them? I would, why are they dieting? Who diets? And everyone, no one would think I diet because, because I was binging, I would eat all that food. And I would get asked frequently, like, how do you eat all that and maintain your weight? And I'm like, I don't know. Um, I will say I was exercising too. And I don't know that I was excessively exercising, but I was obsessively exercising. Like I must exercise, but I don't know if it was an excess. Um, so what happened? I, um, I'll tell you about OA what happened, but before I got to OA, I, um, I used to go to this store and they have, um, they sell cakes. Um, it's a regular grocery store, but they have really delicious cakes. And I used to go there on my binges and get cake. Um, I found cake was something, there was a way that I ate it and what I ate with it, it was, I could throw it up pretty easily. I looked for foods that I could throw up easily. I can tell you foods that I could throw up easily and foods that I wouldn't eat on a binge because that's not going to come up easily. Um, and so I would go in and buy these, they had like little, um, they weren't little, but they'd have squares that were probably like this big. And so I would go in, I'd buy a square of different flavors, but first I would go up to the bakery and be like, oh, can I have a sample? And I remember one day this woman was like, you already know what they taste like. And I was like, anyway, I still got my sample, but I was so embarrassed, but like not embarrassed enough to not take the sample. So, um, I still remember it was um, the second or third day of January and um, I decided I'm going to buy the sheet cake. So I don't know if you guys know what a sheet cake lo looks like, but it's like this big, <laughs> like <laughs> more than a 13 by nine pan. So I'm like, I'm going to get a sheet cake because it's someone's birthday. So I got a sheet cake and I got that sheet cake home and had like the frosting in the middle. And so that night I was binging on it. And for some reason, and I have no idea what it was, I thought to myself, what if you couldn't throw up? And I was like, 
that's a really dumb thought, but whatever. So then I went to the bathroom and I don't know if it was because I had that thought or what, I tried to throw up, kept trying to throw up, nothing was coming up, but I could feel like cake. And I was like, shit, okay, well, one of the tricks I used to use is I would drink more water. So I drank more water and then I'm trying and I'm, you know, I'm gonna try not to do the motions, but um, I would like, you know, actively like moving my body trying to throw up. So I'm like, okay, let me try. I tried a bunch of silverware, my usual routines for when nothing would come up, it wouldn't come up. And so I decided to try some sparkling water um, and I'm already really full. Okay. So, and I'm starting to panic like, shit, am I going to get this cake up? So I start drinking the sparkling water and cause that'll make me burp. And then I'm hoping that it'll come up. So then I'm like, I'm trying to burp and I can't burp. So I'm like, shit, like I'm trapped. You guys, I'm trapped with this sheet cake and this sparkling water in my body. And it was just you know, this was in 2008 and I remember this so vividly. I can remember every piece of the apartment and what the cake looked like and where it was sitting. And I went back to look at the cake to see how much I had eaten. And I was just like, oh my God. So then I tried again and then I had a full on panic attack. Like I couldn't throw up. I was stuck with this sheet cake inside of me and I thought I was gonna die. Like I literally thought I was gonna die. So before I called 911, I called my landlord and <laughs> he came, um, he didn't live there, but he came. I said, there's an emergency. And he's like, I'll be right over. And he came, but this is the mind. This is the mind of, I thought not only did the world revolve around me, but I thought I was dying. Like I thought that I would die. Like I thought, I, I didn't know what was going to happen, but I could feel my heart beating really fast. And I was having a panic attack and it was stuck in me. So he got there, he lived a couple miles away and we sat and he's an older man. And he's like, what's, what's going on? I was like, I just, I just, I just ate most of that sheet cake. And he's like, okay. And he was an Irish guy and he had, you know, his, he just kind of, what, what should we do? You know, what's wrong? And I was like, well, um, should we call 911? You know, but I wasn't talking like I'm talking now. Like, I think I was in a tank top and sweating and just like crazy. And, you know, he was like, well, why don't we just sit for a minute before we call 911? So I sat there, and you guys, that was the worst effing night ever. And I remind myself of that. I had to sit that she kick out. And, I wish I could tell you that I was miserable all night, but it was like two hours. And then I was like, oh, I can breathe again. But like, I felt like I couldn't breathe. And um, the calories are one thing, like that's a lot of calories, but having that food in my body and not being able to get rid of it and just that discomfort and lack of control, I just, that was too much. Um, I don't think he and I talked about the sheet cake anymore, but after that, I stopped purging. I was afraid to purge again. And so I have not purged since January in 2008. So 
I came into program in 2010. So what happened between 2008 and 2010? Um, I still had an eating disorder. So I would binge um, and then I might just restrict or exercise or I'd eat really weird foods. I would calculate calories. I'd find they had all these like crazy frozen desserts that you could eat that were, like didn't have many calories and were made out of chemicals. Um, and I would eat stuff like that. I would eat stuff that makes you like fart and diarrhea all night, like sugar-free shit. Um, and those would be meals. I would find ways to make recipes for things that just didn't have many calories because I wanted food. I wanted volume. And I was younger. Like now that I'm older, I'm like, oh, broccoli sounds good. But I didn't want any broccoli back then. So I just did weird stuff with food. And I still, my life was completely unmanageable. I would not go out to dinner with people. And I got these stupid things that you learn about in the magazines, like, oh, just dip your fork in the salad dressing and then put it on your salad. I'm like, who does that? But I used to do all that stuff. So I was still completely crazy, completely crazy. And one day I found Overeaters Anonymous and I don't remember how I found it, but I read some stuff online. I was like, I need to go there. I didn't like the name. I, I, I didn't like the name. I went to this meeting. I remember they're reading down the list. Are you a compulsive overeater? These people, it said, do you eat burnt food? Do you eat food out of the freezer? Do you eat food out of the garbage? Yes, yes. I'm always all up in the garbage. I eat burnt food. I can't wait for the food to microwave. I eat frozen food. I eat other people's food. I steal food at work. I would take people's food. Yes, that's me. So I remember I was sharing and I was a little bit embarrassed because I wasn't um, very thin. Mari, like, you have 10 minutes left. Thank you. I remember like when I stopped binging and purging, I actually lost weight, which sounds crazy, but you know, I think it does something to your hormones and your body and the fluid shifts and your body's always holding on to something. Um, so I wasn't, but I wasn't overweight. So I just went in there and lied. I was like, yes, you know, um, I used to weigh 30 pounds more, but my weight goes up. I just lied because I wanted to be able to come back. And um, I came back, I found a sponsor and we started working the steps. And, you know, I made my abstinence, no purging, but you know, I wasn't gonna purge. Like after the sheet cake, you know, I just haven't wanted to purge. Um, however, I do know that I am capable of purging. Like there's not a piece of me that thinks I have graduated from this program or I ever will. Like I know that I'm incapable of doing this on my own and every day I need to be aware of what I used to do. But um, I, I just stopped purging, or I'm sorry, stopped binging. And for me, a binge is like um, when I'm not breathing, when I'm eating. Um, I still eat pretty fast, but I breathe. Like I have to, you know, be breathing when I eat. Um, and I know what a binge is, you know. Um, I don't have any foods on my list uh, for abstinence, but I know what foods don't work for me. And every once in a while, I'm like, you know what, let me just try that food. And they're never foods that are like healthy for you or good for you. They're always treats. But I'm like, I think I need a treat, like I'm a dog. So I'm like, let me try that treat again and see if it works for me. And it frequently doesn't, but I, I do try. Um, 
but I got abstinence sometime in 2010. I kept changing my abstinence and putting different foods on it. And there was a food that I really couldn't stop eating. And um, I would eat it all day, every day, like one food. I would eat one food all day, every day. And if I went out of town, I needed to know where to find that food. And um, I was completely obsessed with that food, but it was a safe food for me. And eventually it just lifted. Like, I don't think about that food. I can eat that food, but it doesn't do anything for me. And that's the gift of this program. So we worked the steps. Um, I sponsor, I go to meetings. Um, I do some writing, but very little. I meditate more now, more that the, now I got one of those apps on my phone and I meditate. And, um, and I do a, tenth, a daily 10th step. And, um, you know, it, that may seem like a lot, but just being honest doesn't take me much time at all. Um, some days my meditation is one minute. I tell, um, I have the, hey, Google thing. I'll be like, hey, Google, time me one minute. It's one minute meditation. I read my readers every day. Um, it probably takes one minute to read all three, the daily thing. Um, I call my sponsor and check in when I need to, but I call her every day and leave a message. Um, I've had, I had the first sponsor for a very long time. And, um, and then my second sponsor I had for a while. And then because I moved, I switched sponsors. And then I just went back to my sponsor from before, even though we don't live in the same state because we work together so long. I send my food every day. I send my food after I eat it. And I do not diet, I do not restrict, I don't have rules as a um, bulimic. Um, it, for me, it doesn't work for me to have, um, okay, you can't eat for three hours because that's a diet and my body likes that, my brain likes that. Oh, OA is telling you to restrict, OA is telling you to diet, and so it's okay. So I don't restrict, I don't diet. If I wanna eat something, I eat it. If I need a snack, I eat it. Um, which may be different from a lot of people. Um, but for bulimia, that's what works for me. No rules around um, too much food, you know? Um, so that's my abstinence. I don't binge, I don't purge. Um, I'm gonna be in Overeaters Anonymous for life. Um, I spent, you know, I started when I was 17 and I stopped, you know, I'm not, I, I can't calculate right now, but I think it was, 20 something years that I did bulimia like five or six times a day, all day, every day. So that's a good portion of my life. I don't ever want to go back there, but I know how to do that a little bit more than I know how to do regular eating. And, um, and so I'm going to be here for life and thank God there's nothing that can happen. I think about that sometimes like, you know, what if a bulldozer comes and knocks over my house? What if, you know, what if, what if, what if, what if anything happens? Like I have a program, I have tools, I have fellows, like there's nothing I feel like that can happen to me that hasn't happened to one of you that I can ask for help or that I just know that my higher power will take care of. And then I know my higher power is in charge. Um, and, you know, thank God we have this. Like, I don't know during the COVID, uh, if I didn't have a program and have all these Zooms, like how I would, how I would deal with everything. Um, and, uh, you know, so I'm just, I'm really grateful. Um, I don't know what else to say. Um, and I'll open up 
up for questions. Um, I, I will say during this, you know, my food is a little bit different um, and it's because of what I do for work. I don't have much options to eat the way I would like to eat. Um, and sometimes I'm excited about not having to socialize because I think I'm an introvert at heart and uh, gives me permission to isolate. But I work so much and see people at work and I'm not really isolating. But um, yeah, so this program saved my life. Nothing is perfect. I'm not perfect. My food isn't perfect. Uh, my program isn't perfect. Um, but I'm doing the best I can. It's progress, not perfection. And um, yeah, I think I'll end there. Thanks. Hey, thank you so much, Mimi. It was great to hear you. Um, so for the last three minutes, if anyone has a question that they would like to ask Mimi, please uh, use the raise hand function, which can be found by clicking participants in the bottom of your Zoom window. Or if you are not in a space where you can ask your question verbally, you can also chat it to me and I will read it out loud for you. Um, okay, one of the questions that just came in through the chat for you, Mimi, is did your program change when you moved? Was that hard? No, um, I moved from LA to New York. And so I was in the hot spots for Overeaters Anonymous. And um, I will say that when I looked to move, I looked at program. When, whenever I think about moving somewhere, I'm like, how's the program there? Because that's how I'm going to live. So no, it didn't. Thank you. Great. Again, if anyone has any questions they'd like to ask, feel free to use the raise hand button. Okay, another question just came in through the chat. What did you do after a relapse post not binging and purging? What did I do for a relapse post not binging and purging? So um, I really didn't, I guess like my first year in program, I became abstinent and my abstinence, um, I still wasn't purging, but my abstinence, like I'd put different foods on my abstinence and be like, that's my abstinence. And so I would break it. So I would just um, start again. Um, and then I kind of, I kind of, I haven't had a relapse of binging and purging, but I did at the beginning trying to figure out what foods should be on my abstinence. And as a bulimic, you know, foods on my abstinence just wasn't what I needed. Great, thank you. Um, the next question is, how long did it take you to work the 12 steps for the first time? <laughs> um, years, it took me years. And now I'm doing the 12 steps again. And um, I guess to get up to step nine where I'm at now, it took me about a year, but like I'm going to be halted there for a while because I'm not going to see these people during the COVID. And, um, but the first time I worked the steps, it took me years. And part of it is because I switched sponsors, but part of it is like, once I started working them, I just felt like it's not a rush and my sponsor um, doesn't put a time on it. So my current sponsor, she's just like, you know, you work the steps when you feel the steps and you know, if I go to my sponsor with a problem, like there are a couple of things that were asked sometimes, like, where's God and could you work the steps? So, um, yeah. Great. Thank you. So that's all the time we have for questions. Um, there were a few people that asked for your number. So if you feel comfortable posting your number in the chat, um, I'm going to open it up now, but let's give a big round of applause for Mimi. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, Mimi. It is now time for our seventh tradition. The LA Intergroup requests that you continue to contribute as we still have operating expenses 
including the subscription costs of this service. Please go to www.donate.oalaig.org for a direct link to our PayPal account. While our treasurer posts this link in the chat box, I have asked Bonnie M to read the 12 traditions, which will be posted so she can see it. Hi, I'm Bonnie, I'm a compulsive eater. The 12 traditions of O-Readers Anonymous. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends on OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive eater, overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Number seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Number eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you very much, Bonnie. I would like to thank all the people who do service at this meeting. Your secretaries are Aaron and myself. Program chair is Leslie E, who gets us all our amazing speakers. Treasures, Michelle and Lisanne. Chips and Candles, Kim S. Podcaster, Maria. Our tech support is KM. Uh, Michelle R handed out all the readings today. Our timer is Renee G. Would all available sponsors please put their phone numbers in the chat? The chat can be saved by opening the chat clicking at three dots on the lower right-hand side of your chat box and clicking save chat. Are there any service reports like delegate or treasurer? Hi, I'm Michelle Compulsive Overeater. Hey everyone, um, no actual treasury report. However, uh, we, I did post the link uh, as Lucy had uh, described, if you'd like to make a donation to OA uh, for our Zoom expenses and other such things. Thanks for letting me be a service. Thank you very much. Andrea, you gave a report last week. No reports this week, I'm presuming. Are there any OA... No reports this week. Thank you so much. Are there any OA-related announcements? Yeah, hi. Um, 
there's actually the valley is hosting a an event tomorrow on being a treasure um in the virtual world i think is like what it's um specified on but um so i'll post the link to that and then also there's a um, fourth step workshop coming up so that you can add to your calendars for august 22nd so i will post the link to the 12 stepper for all the information on that thank Thank you so much, Katie. I would like to thank Leslie S. for reading How It Works and Bonnie M. for reading The Twelve Traditions. I would like to welcome our newcomers, Christoph, JP, Patsy, Stephanie, Lisa, and Olivia, and congratulate Lisa P. for 30 days, for 60 days, Bob L. and Melanie, Thank you so much and congratulations. I would really love to thank our speaker Mimi for sharing her experience, strength, and hope with us tonight. Thank you so much, Mimi. Would Tony now please read a vision for you and lead us in a closing prayer of her choice? I'm Tony, compulsive overeater. A vision for you. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. And we'll just end with a serenity prayer. God, God, God grant, me the serenity grant me the serenity to accept the things the I things cannot change, change, the courage, courage to change, change things, things that I can, can and the, and the wisdom, wisdom to know the difference. I will not mind be done. Come back. It looks Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Tony. Thank you, Vivi. That was amazing.